Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know they are doing evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 Welcome to the Things I Preach to Myself About podcast. I am your host, Rich Rangan, and today's episode we have to take a look at when obvious isn't obvious. Have you ever watched a small dog when they think they're about to get a treat? Oh, the energy buildup in them seems like a rocket firing its thrusters, ready to launch into space. Their tail wagging so fast it seems to match the speed of a hummingbird's wings. Then there's that uncontrollable shaking, enough to match the effects of an earthquake on a bowl of jello. Next comes the little whines and moans that almost sound like a race car engine running at maximum RPMs. Without a hesitant thought, they explode at the speed of light to whatever it is they desire, knocking caution aside. Impetuous little creatures. Yes, aren't we all, though? I remember long ago hearing a sermon that mentioned several times how impetuous the Apostle Peter was. He was always the first to jump in in word or action. He jumped out of a boat in the midst of a storm because he wanted to walk on water like his master Jesus. He tried to correct the Lord on occasions when he really didn't like what Jesus had to say. He even got excited as that little dog when he saw the glory of the Lord at the transfiguration. He would just react in whatever fashion struck him in an instant. In Mark we read the account. It says, Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and brought them on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer, for they became terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud and said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one was with them anymore except Jesus alone. As they were Coming down from the mountain, he gave them orders not to relate to anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man rose from the dead. Let's face it, we all have a tendency to react impulsively from time to time. Peter, James, and John, as well as the other apostles, had been sorrowful when Jesus said he'd be turned over to authorities to be killed. So Jesus took the three up to the mountain to experience that transfiguration and show them his glory now and yet to come. Yet even after the crucifixion, even after seeing all the future glory of their master, they still had doubts of uncertainty. It was almost like they didn't listen and learn from that mountaintop experience. In fact, later, James would write in his epistle that everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. He seemed to be sharing a retrospectively learned lesson that he gleaned watching Peter back on the mountain. So do we have knee-jerk reactions to things we encounter daily? 
Are we quick with our reactive word of retaliation or disagreement when faced with something that goes against our thinking or beliefs? Do we get down or angered when life isn't going the way we think it should be going? Now, if you answered no to any of those questions, I applaud you for being the most controlled, even-keeled, and level-headed human being on the planet. Because I, for one, have only one answer to those questions, and that's an emphatic yes. Many times we react without having full knowledge of the facts. We jump to conclusions that could be wrong because we didn't know the whole story or see the big picture. We take a little bit of information and kind of run with it, as they say. And more times than not, though, this often leads us down a wrong path or worse. We may end up anguishing over things that we really don't have the proper information regarding. See, when we know the full story, when we have all the facts, see that big picture, then when things happen, we're better equipped to handle in a proper fashion. From birth to the grave, all our life experiences should be growing our understanding of how to handle things that might come our way. The more of life we experience, the wiser we can become at facing situations. Yet it's very important that we also understand that what we come across in this world is not new. That preacher in Ecclesiastes informed us that everything that happens in this world is not a new thing. In fact, he says, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. He goes on to say, Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of the former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Essentially, that old saying that if we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. But all this has happened before and will happen again. So the questions arise. Are we learning from these truths? Do we tend to, and I say this symbolically, keep putting our hand on the hot stove when we know that it's going to hurt when we touch it? The chaos and evil that we're seeing in the world today should not come as a surprise. So why do so many continue to react in shock and anger when they see the evil flaunting itself? Now, I personally claim my excuse is being short-term memory problems, but I think that many of us have that very problem more often than we want to acknowledge. But why? Why don't we remember the learned experiences from those mountaintops? When God illuminates to us a biblical truth, we have a tendency to act shocked as we look around and see rampant sin in the world. Or when we peer out through the lens of Scripture at this fallen world, which by the way, includes those establishments that claim themselves as churches and yet readily are embracing sin and rejecting God. But anyway, we get frazzled, we get upset that there are people who are acting like, well, fallen people. What we need to remember is that even ideologies like hedonism, which was once thought of as an evil extremism, isn't considered by the world as extreme anymore. In fact, it's almost become normalized in this fallen world. Again, this shouldn't surprise us anymore. As the darkness descends faster and faster, people have given up on eternal hope and now embrace temporal pleasures at all costs. This is nothing new under the sun, and it has been clearly pointed out before through the scriptures. A friend once remarked to me that this world is at its ugliest. I don't even hear the birds sing as I used to. That's a pretty sad testimony. 
But again, since this is not something new, why are we reacting like we do? We end up getting so worked up over things and people when we should already know that this is the life that's around us that's being shown out in the Bible right now. We should already know this already, and if we'd paid better attention to God and his word, we wouldn't be shocked. I have to say that part of the issue lies with the church and where the attendees have been placing their focus. I can say with near certainty that their attention is not on God and his glory. It's more on themselves than God. And like the pagan worshipers of yesteryear, churches today are filled with these consumer Christians. They have the, well, what can I get from God or the God plus something mentality, among other issues that are running rampant within their walls. And I think that some of us are aghast by what we're seeing around us these days because God is awakening up some of us who are listening to him. But for others, their focus, their time, effort, energy is injecting themselves into everything other than God and his truth. They're pressing hard to have their say in all matters, pushing their agendas into programs, keep everyone busy, busy, busy with busy things. This is called self-exaltation. They forget those lessons from the past, kind of like the Mary and Martha thing. Many tend to ask, why God, when looking for answers about the fallen world's conditions, but don't stop once to listen and learn from the one who sustains all things in existence. Even in their prayers, their voices loudest with requests and even demands on God, yet without a praise or worship for all that he's done. I think Matthew Henry really put it greatly when he wrote down that religious exercises are not vain things, but if we mismanage them, they become vain to us. You see, there's nothing wrong with having a zeal or doing things, but we must remember that the zeal and passion by itself will always go a terribly amiss. People are shocked at the condition of the world because they spend their time talking over God and not stopping to listen, reflect, and grow. When we focus our attention on God and his word first and foremost, we tend to have a deeper desire to know him, love him, and trust him more in this fallen world. We learn that he does have all things under his providence and will, and as such, we can take comfort and strength in facing the daily matters around us, we're not shocked or surprised when the evil rears its ugly head because we know that in the end of all things, God. And as such, we need to use our knowledge and experiences along with that zeal and passion to strive for a corrective balance in our day-to-day -day life. We can worship and glorify God most by focusing on his word and truth, placing them in our hearts but also still serve his church by sharing his truth and tending to his flock. It's just a matter of where lies our priorities in the things we say and do. Folks, you see, our flesh keeps getting in the way of our spiritual understanding and retention. Personally, I tend to trip over my own flesh as easily as tripping over shoelaces. We learn so quickly, and yet we quickly forget. Peter, James, and John were exposed to a truth that should have solidified their faith and trust in their Messiah. From what they experienced, there should have never been a worry about the coming cross, knowing that 
On the other side was the redemption that all mankind desperately needed to have peace with God. Yet, impetuousness and worldly distractions caused them to miss key elements in their walk with Christ. Peter had zeal, but he lost focus with Jesus while worrying more on humanly matters. Even the vast majority of today's churches have their priorities skewed from the proper goal. When we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we know that all things are taken care of by his hand. The storms around us are of no worry. We know they're coming, that they're here, but we're resting in our Savior's hands. He has overcome the world. See, I personally need to remember that there's going to be those mountaintop experiences from God that should teach and encourage and comfort me. But when I return back to the sorrows of this world, I need to work hard to remember his glory and be able to rest in the truths that I've learned. If I don't, then I have to ask myself, what did I forget on that mountain? The three apostles saw the glory, yet when the sorrow storms hit, they quickly forgot. Jesus kept saying in reference to himself that on the third day he will rise, he'll be raised up. We get a proper perspective of the lowlands from a higher point of view. And Jesus gave them that. God gives us his word to help us remember. And when we rein in our hastiness and our impulsive mannerisms and speech, we tend to hear his word more clearly, know his will more clearly, and can glorify and worship him more sincerely. God provides his light and truth to us on the mountaintops so we can survive those valleys. We just need to put aside our distractions, laying aside every weight and the sin that entangles us, and listen to him. God tells us in his word in Isaiah 46, he says, Remember this and be assured. Recall it to your mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there was no one like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established and I will accomplish my good pleasure. The preacher in Ecclesiastes summarizes our duties properly by saying, The conclusion when all has been heard is to fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person, for God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Amen. This has been Things I Preach to Myself About Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rich Vangen, and I appreciate your taking the time to listen. And I just pray that those mountaintop experiences will sink deeply into you and you can stand firm against the storms that are rattling outside of our windows. In the name of Jesus, I pray you have a blessed day. God bless you all.